Welcome to the Do Business Better podcast, the place for ideas you can implement to achieve prosperity. You'll get insights from successful business people on how they do business better. You'll glean tactics on creating a life and business by choice because we interview real business people who've done just that. Now here's your host, Damian Mason. Hello and welcome to the Do Business Better podcast. I'm your host, Damian Mason. Got a great show for you today as ever. Jim Ostrom is my guest. He is a founder, partner, business owner with a company called Milk Source. That's right. You know, if you keep up with any of my stuff, I'm an agriculture guy, a dairy farm kid. Well, that entire industry has gone through a lot of change, uh, as is every industry. But uh, if you have this idea that the dairy farmer is a person out here in their Carhartt bib overalls, uh, you know, with Bessie uh, and a milk pail, you are sadly mistaken. Jim Ostrom and Milk Source have uh, seven different dairy facilities. They are huge dairy producers between uh, Kansas, Michigan, Wisconsin, and Missouri. Jim Ostrom, welcome to the Do Business Better podcast. Glad to be here. All right. I just gave them the lowdown. You're a partner and an owner. You've got two partners. Tell me a little bit about how this all started 22 years ago. Well, uh, one day I was uh, traveling through California and I walked... uh, I came across a thousand cow dairy farm and I could not believe my eyes. I grew up around dairy farming in Wisconsin and I love dairy farming and agriculture. And I looked at the dairy farm that was massive and well-managed. And I said to myself, we could do that. And that started a long journey of uh, research and, and uh, building a business plan. And eventually I proposed it to a, a potential partner by the name of John Vosters. And that's how our company started. It's actually been 26 years now. And uh, we started with three employees on his father's farm, a traditional Wisconsin dairy farm with 180 head. And uh, we've grown the business uh, almost every year since uh, to over 700 employees. Uh, We have some uh, dairy farms, of course, and we also have some very small special cheese businesses. Yeah, so to give the listener a little background, because again, you and I have been around this our whole life. So, dear listener, uh, I was raised on your basic Midwestern dairy farm. The, they were on every county road in, in the part of the world where I'm from. You know, you milked 40, 50, 60, 80, 100 cows, and, and you farmed three, four, six, eight hundred acres. That was real, real standard 35, 40 years ago. Then farms started getting larger, which happens with everything. And then you've probably even heard, oh, factory farms, industrial agriculture. Well, those are words that a lot of the detractors come up with. The reality is that there's economies of scale, and there's a matter of efficiency, and there's also the reality of, in general, you're producing a commodity. Milk source is not just a commodity producer, but they are very large scale. You've got these farms in Wisconsin that you grew from a 180-head milking herd at one farm 26 years ago to today you have 42,000 milking cows. Uh, we, we do, and they're on about eight or nine uh, large farms throughout the Midwest. Uh, they are very well organized. Uh, one thing that I can say with certainty is that we are uh, so much uh, better at dairy farming than we were as an industry two generations ago or a generation ago because now we have some scale and we have expertise on hand. So if you think about a community with people, there's a hospital somewhere and there's a maternity ward in that hospital. Well, we have uh, a maternity ward on our dairy farms and we have somebody in our maternity ward in the middle of the night uh, taking care of animals and 
so from an expertise and an animal care perspective, we've really come a long way. Yeah, we really have. I mean, compared to the dairy farm I was raised on, you go to one of your facilities and there's going to be a, a person that just is so, got such protocols and practices in place on how to for animal care and all that. But you are a very, very efficient organization. Tell me about the growth. Tell me about how this happened. How do you go from 180 cows to 42,000 cows between four or five states now? Uh, well, it comes together through the hard work of a team, a successful team and a successful business plan. Uh, it began with a very complex spreadsheet uh, 27 years ago, uh, and it's evolved, and it's constantly evolving uh, regularly. And uh, tomorrow will be different than we were today. And uh, ongoing in uh, the, the coming years, uh, we will probably be a larger organization. Uh, we'll be an organization committed to even in improving quality even further and it's really we focus today on on a culture that embraces change embraces growth uh embraces new opportunities and when again when people are listening to this and they think of dairy farms or dairy farmers they probably don't think of things like teams and embracing change and 700 employees so you produce milk but you do more than produce milk obviously you produce calves you uh, manage trucking the milk but you do something that i think is really neat you've bought in some of the value-added process you've got a stake in cheese and you've got milk that goes to cheese tell me about that well we have uh, recently acquired it through uh, direct ownership or partnerships on some very specialty cheese businesses uh, so commodity cheese right now is probably selling for a dollar forty a pound if you're buying in an industrial basis. Our cheeses sell from a wholesale perspective at five to seven dollars a pound. So it's a very specialized, very high quality cheese, uh, very artisan type of cheese. And uh, we are um, focusing on a future where we're going to develop specialty cheese products for a consumer that has uh, very discerning tastes. So this comes from your dairy. Is is 100% of uh, the cheese coming from your milk? No. Uh, we, have, uh, we, we buy some uh, or procure some milk from a local grazer for grass-fed uh, milk. Uh, we have a goat cheese business where we have goats, and we also buy goat milk from the marketplace. Wait a minute. I didn't even introduce the goat topic yet. Okay, <laughs> let's continue on the cheese, then we get into the goat. So you've got two cheese companies? We do. And and then your product goes there. So what's a brand name? If somebody's listening to this says, I want to get my hands on some of that. It is Leclerc Goat Cheese, and we are partners with the Hedrick family, the founders of that business. Uh, and we have Saxon uh Pasture cheese, pasture raised. Both of those cheeses have won top 20 in the world for the best quality cheeses uh, in the entire world uh, in recent competitions. And it is really exciting to have brands of that quality. On the goat thing, now that we're into that. So it was about four years ago I worked for you and did a presentation. You brought me back four years later to do a presentation today and uh, to your employees. You had just started to dabble in the goat thing. And now you're full full tilt. You've got 4,000 goats on one of these facilities. You are taking this milk from the goats, making it into cheese. Tell me about that business. Well, uh, goat milk industry is expanding quite rapidly. Uh, goat cheese in particular is a, a growth market in dairy. And uh, we wanted to be able to provide high-quality goat milk in a, uh, a very close proximity to our, far, our, to our cheese plant. Okay, so you bought you, you you goated up. You went around the country and gobbled up goats. You just bought them and you brought them in there, and now you're in the goat business. Does all of your goat milk go to cheese, or do you also is it some of it go to goat milk? Some of it go to goat some, hand lotion. What's the deal? You bet it goes to everywhere. Uh, it goes to uh, goat fluid milk. It goes to 
yogurt, and but the most of it is going into cheese. One thing that is uh, important that every person listen to this, you know, the the, the lady that owns, uh, you know, Arby's franchises, or or uh, the the guy that is a you know owns two mechanic shops, is a matter of scale. You always looked at scaling. I mean, you you said I'm going to be efficient. We're going to be dairy farmers, dairy producers. We're also going to always look at growth and you obviously have how's that mindset developed well the, the mindset has developed culturally but i but over scale we put uh quality first and when i say quality i mean quality of the environment care uh to our our farms and our fields and our water uh quality to animal care uh and we have this uh way of looking at it culturally where we define what winning is and winning isn't selling more milk and winning isn't selling more cheese Winning is uh, the individual working at 2 in the morning to deliver a baby calf, uh, to do that with precision and to do it with great care, uh, no matter what the circumstances are. And we define winning by each person's responsibility within the organization. So that's a really, really great point. Define, you define winning for each person in the organization and then for your organization in general. What about personally? I always talk about defining success because folks read books about success. I write books about success, but my picture of success is different from you know the person down the street. What's your picture of success? Uh, for for me, I, I happen to be in love with the industry of agriculture, and I, I it's in my DNA. And, and for me, it's having a thriving, high quality organization in our industry, one that will be able to deliver the highest quality products uh, with with the uh, the most integrity that we possibly can and for this generation and for next i think what most urban friends of mine don't truly understand is those of us in agriculture we raise our children to raise their children to be in agriculture that's how much we are ingrained in this industry and uh, when when you're raising your unborn grandchildren uh, to to love agriculture that's a different mindset we have a very long-term view yeah, and, and, and you own you own a lot of stuff here. You got a lot of stuff going on. So you guys are still in expansion mode. Uh, we are. The, the U.S. dairy industry is going through a bit of a recession due to some oversupply and some trade wars. Uh, uh, but we are focused on having a culture that's prepared for the future. And that future, it might be more artisan cheese. It might be um, doing better at what we're doing. But we have to re- reasonably assume that there's some growth involved. Yeah, and, and it's the old thing is, you know, eventually if you're not growing, you're not going, to, you know, what, what are you doing? Are you contracting? Uh, you do a neat thing where you've got partners and you divvy up your roles. And this is something that I'm sure has been critical to your success. You are more one on the business side. There's a person that's more on the cow side and there's a person that's more on the operation side. Three critical components of it. Define your role if I didn't do a good enough job of it and then explain on that. So our business is run by John Vosters, Todd Wheeler, and myself. And we do have very defined roles. Uh, we come together and operate the business sort of on a board perspective. We have an advisory board of directors. Uh, but day to day, it's uh, my side of it is the business uh, and the leadership. Uh, John's side is the animals, and which, by the way, is the most uh, leadership involved in the business uh, because he has the most employees. Because we are very, uh, we're mostly intent on labor from a uh, animal care perspective. We really focus on animal care. Yeah, I mean, when you th- when you think of what you're really doing, uh, okay, you're you're on the business side and the money side and making sure that all of that works. But you have hundred 
1,000 live animals. To milk 42,000 cows means you've got that many then that are in reserve in way of calves and heifers. And by the way, dear listener, a heifer is a female, female yeah, right. bovine that's yeah. not yet reproduced. So you've got to, to have a huge involvement there. So that guy has a lot of responsibilities. And so it's enough for him just to be on cows and people tending cows, right? Yeah, it's really, it's a, it's a team. It, there's not one person and there's not 20 of us that could run this organization. It's a, a very diverse team of experts that, that work at anything from animal care to environmental care. Uh, we have one person that all they do is make sure that we're, uh, uh, doing the very best job we can from an environmental perspective. Uh, Todd Willer, a business partner, he oversees operations, which is a cropping enterprise in four states, uh, dozens of counties and, and countless townships. That's a lot of constituencies that we have to think about and a lot of neighbors that we have to con- be concerned with. Yeah, and obviously a lot of moving parts because you've got the weather and you've got the facilities, et cetera, et cetera. You've done a good job of dividing, uh, of dividing responsibilities. Where have you... Where have you stepped on it a couple of times? Where have you said, oh, God, we did this wrong? Well, I think that in, in very micro ways happens every single day. Uh, you know, our, we believe that uh, failure is, uh, is usually the, it should be the result of risk taking, meaning trying something new that didn't work out. Uh, but the, the idea is that we don't fail in the same way every day. Uh, and we want to. We don't want to repeat failure. Um, but we have we have made investments that haven't worked, uh, and I hope that we'll continue to make investments that haven't worked because that means we're still taking chances. That's that's the big thing. So you don't get complacent and you don't get defensive to where you just sit there and try and uh, uh, always be in your bunker mentality. One thing about you said a team, but when it comes to decision making, you know, every person that's listening to this is runs their own little enterprise, and they're saying, "Man, I I I better run that through the team." Decisions aren't made by teams, though. Decisions are made by individuals. De- decisions are made by individuals. So 15 years ago, if you'd asked me that question, we ran our organization in a very autocratic way, and we were largely making every decision. It was either myself or John or Todd. It was uh, one of us had our hands on just about every uh, decision. Uh, over the years, that's evolved. And then we went to uh, major departments are making decisions, and we set policy. And now uh, I try to lead the organization through setting up the right culture. The right culture is ethics. Uh, The right culture is trust. The right culture is honesty. So honesty when you're dealing with each other, uh, honesty when you're dealing with an animal, and and trust in dealing with each other that we're taking care of things, uh, and integrity when you're dealing with things like animal care and environment. Those things are all, all very important to success in this modern era. So do you think part of your growth is because you started empowering people, you, you instilled the culture and, and uh, created the culture, and then you say, hey, I can't make every decision. We're just too big. We've got too much going on. Uh, we, we can't make every decision, but we can, we can make uh, the controllables in our organization. Uh, we can set policies and we can set culture for those decisions to be made properly. So a lot of people, Mr. Ostrom, are really, really good at what they do. It's the old thing, you know, if you read Michael Gerber's book, The E-Myth, you know, Sarah's really great at making pies. And by God, everybody says, you should start baking pies. So she starts baking pies. And the next thing you know, she's a great pie baker, but she's not a great business owner. You don't milk cows. You don't put cows, milkers on cows, because you're not at that level. Obviously, it's just too big. What is your strength that has helped you because you can't just be a practitioner and be at this level, or you can't achieve the kind of success if you're only a practitioner. You know, I think I'm, I'm probably a visionary person that, that focuses on finance and on uh, structure and on culture 
um, on bringing the right expertise to bear. Uh, no, we're, I'm not a good pie maker, but if we're in the pie business, I want to um, bring in and recruit the right kind of pie makers. Okay, so you brought in the best pie bakers knowing that that's not your strength, but you, by golly, are going to make sure that your vision is to be the best pie baker. And so you're the vision person. Uh, you went to your other partners. Uh, do they possess your vision, or is it incumbent upon you to describe and paint the picture of the vision, and then they buy into it? No, it's it's it is. They absolutely we agree on the vision. Uh, we believe in it. We've been in business for 24, 25 years. Uh, we've been pressure tested. We've been through good times, and we've been through through some really rough times. And that the fact that we keep on moving forward through all kinds of uh, events and growth. Uh, tells me that we have we all agree with the vision yeah so it's important to have the vision uh what about the employees do they see your vision or does it matter as long as they feel like they're being treated right and you just and you create the culture do they need to see the vision they absolutely do need to see the vision they cannot believe in a culture that they do not uh see the vision on and uh, you know i what i try to do is bring meaning to it uh, we we talked in, in our conference. We're having a two-day manager conference. We're about eight or nine percent of our workforce is here today, uh, supervisors and up 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 and coming supervisors, and we're talking about what's important to us as a company from a culture and an ethics standpoint, uh, but also what our vision is for the future. And we've talked about changing needs of consumers and changing expectations of consumers and what that means to our our culture and our vision and, and how we're moving forward. So uh, I do a lot of things with the business people, and you obviously are a, a very different thing in that you have so many operations. Uh, if I gave you four more hours, because you're a pretty busy guy, if I gave you four more hours per week, just grab the other guy and gave it to you, how would you spend it? This is going to sound very strange, but I get the most out of sitting on an airplane where I cannot look at my phone because the Internet doesn't work, and that is highly valuable time to me. And if I had four hours, I would try to disconnect and just think. Yeah, and actually, when I'm on airplanes, I do that, and I, uh, I, I often I don't use the internet. I don't even get on my computer on in, online, and I sit and think, and I look out the window, and I read, and I think, and I actually agree with that right there. If you look at your operation, uh, that you say, okay, this is one strength that really, really we have that's helped us. Give me that. You talked about culture, but let's talk about you as the business person. What's the strength that you have that's contributed to this growth? You know, I, I think I'm the person that's lining up the future, uh, and that's my strength. Um, I would say my weakness is is the day-to-day -day, uh, patience to, to do it precisely. <laughs> and thank goodness we're not all the same because Detail, if we yeah. – Details bug you? Uh, details uh, and, you know, day-to-day -day operations, that's not my strength. And But it, no, you can't have an organization that's all pie makers. We have to have the whole variety of skill sets. About money, that's uh, obviously you're a money guy, and I tell folks all the time when they say, I just don't like money, I'm a creative. And I say, well, okay, go down to the park and sit on the park bench and just create your little heart away, but until you uh, want to handle money, you're not going to have a business because, after all, the doors don't stay open just by you being a creative. You're a money guy. Yeah, so I think the rule of thumb that business people like to think about it is, is focus on your strengths and bring in your weaknesses, other people to the team that can help over that, – that, that maybe money is their strength. And so that's what we do. Uh, I'm a finance-driven person. Um, I can build and evaluate a spreadsheet that'll make most people nauseous. Uh, and I'm a person that likes to see what the future could bring for us. But 
the businesses that we have to make those perfect pies or the you know to use that metaphor again uh, but that's really what it has we have to have every type of person uh, in every skill set in our team. So the person that's listening right now, what mistakes are they making, maybe making, or what do you see when you look at businesses that, uh, that, that you say, man, oh man, they would be better off if? Well, I think we can look at any business and say that. We can say that about even the greatest businesses in our society. Uh, you know, I, I think in general, uh, it has to have a diverse team that follows the same vision. Uh, that would I would I would say most companies are lacking. You know what? We just heard a lot about vision, and I uh, didn't even begin my podcast with this, but I always go back to the four traits of success, which are risk tolerance, uh, drive, and ambition, resilience because you're going to get knocked down, and vision. And you have talked a lot about vision without even me telling you to go that direction. So you're the visionary. You say always have this vision. What's the vision? What's it look like five years from now here at Milk Source? Well, we we got, most people would say we're a very large farming organization. I, I won't deny that. Um, but I think most people would be very surprised that we do not define success by bigness. And, and I am clear about that. We do not have a secret little business plan with a number on it that says we are going to get massive. We're going to get bit bigger. What we have is a, a, our vision and our mission is to be is to be extremely high quality. And in this marketplace, high quality means low cost. And what that means is you better have some scale or you will never be low cost. And then, of course, you've got a different direction that's going to be more than just the commodity with the cheese thing. So that was obviously a vision of yours to get into the value-added process. Uh, yes, and we, we are in value-added cheese, and it has got its own set of complexity. Uh, in our journey, we've evaluated the financials of uh, several uh, what I would call boutique uh, businesses. And they have a recurring theme in that they do not have or do not possess enough uh, scale uh, to be efficient, to be profitable. And that's got to be rule number one is you have to have enough scale to be profitable because overhead, admin, SG&A, whatever you want to call it, will eat you alive if you don't have enough scale. Last bit of advice, anything you want to tell our listeners, the business person out here that says, hey, you know what, one, one little nugget for me on the way out the door. Well, I say this to our staff and our team. Every meeting I get a chance, and that is, uh, it has to do with never quitting. It has to do with uh, keep trying to find new sol solutions, but it's really investing in new solutions, investing in new um, concepts, uh, because it differentiates. A lot of folks get into something, and they don't have the heart to stick it out and find the real solutions. And we, ha we define ourselves as having that heart and having the ability to fight through whether it's a tough trade deal or a tough economy or higher interest rates, which may be coming in our society or more regulation, uh, we have the heart to truly become uh, masters of each of those challenges. Jim Ostrom has been my guest. He is a founder and partner of Milk Source, and you can find his cheeses there at LeClaire and Saxon. You'll probably hear more about him. Thank you for joining me. Until then, keep doing business better. I'm your host, Amy Mason.